Welcome to Walk in the Truth Podcast. Have you ever looked back in time and considered how certain defining moments have shaped your life and future? Today, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, looks at the importance of defining moments and how we can recognize what God is saying through them. Well, I'm so glad to be with you this morning with the scriptures today. Isn't it great to have a copy of God's Word in your hand or on your phone or on your tablet? The whole of the Bible, all 66 books. What a blessing. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter 28 today, beginning in verse 19. Let's stand together as we talk about what I call defining declarations. You know, we're in our Defining Moments series, and we've been each week this summer talking about different moments in our lives that are different from the average experience. We all experience a thousand things, but only a few things are defining moments, moments that change the course of our lives. Sometimes defining moments change the course of the past part of our lives. We're able to shut the door on things in the past. Sometimes that changes for the present, but almost every defining moment changes your future. So these are big moments. Moments that actually affect our lives. And we've talked about a number of those, but today this one is called Defining Declaration. It has to do with baptism. It has to do with being baptized after you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's look at these two verses in chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 19. Jesus says in the Great Commission, the very very final commandment, so to speak, uh, before his ascension, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And by the way, as you read this with me, keep in mind the phrase make disciples is the only verb. It's the only command in all of of this passage. The rest is something that follows from making disciples. So it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us about this subject today so that every person in the room could know where they stand with this defining declaration moment of baptism that you've given us as the church the charge to go and make disciples, but as we do it, baptize and teach and help people know everything that you've taught us. So, Father, today I pray it'll be personal I pray it'll be instrumental in our lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Baptism is a defining moment in a person's life. In fact, it's so defining, sometimes we record it in the margins of our Bible. We know the dates of it. Sometimes we have pictures of it. Uh, When someone is baptized, at least in the churches I've been involved with, there is a baptism certificate that's signed, and uh, you receive that after you are baptized. So it's a defining moment. It's a big deal. We make a big deal about baptism. And and I want to answer the question today, why do we make such a big deal about baptism? And more importantly, I want you to walk away from this day understanding the why of baptism. Why do we do that? Why did Jesus say that we're to make disciples? And as we do that, to be sure we baptize them and then teach them to observe everything that he commanded us. But let me take a little poll this morning. How many of you remember your baptism experience? Would you raise your hand if you remember your baptism experience? That's a lot of us in the room. Remember our baptism experience. And that's an important thing to remember. And we're going to talk about that today for just a few moments. 
And if there is an absent understanding of baptism in your life, or if you've never been baptized uh, after you've come to faith in Jesus, then we want to talk to you about what that really means, and looking at the Scripture helps us to do that. By the way, baptize, the word baptize, is actually a transliteration from the Greek language. The Greek word baptizo is just exactly transliterated into English, and it literally means to immerse. It's most often used with the word into, following it, to connect the act of baptism with a purpose or a person. For example, in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about the fact that we are baptized into Christ. It's not just about getting wet. It's not a religious observance. It's not something that we just commemorate because we want to have walked through that uh, act in our lives in church somewhere, but it really is a significant, meaningful, defining moment in our life, and I call it a defining declaration. Now, I remember my own baptism when I was seven years old. Uh, I came to Christ at about six years of age. I remember uh, being ready to be baptized, and I was all excited about it. We, was, uh, we were um, in a small town in Oklahoma. There was no swimming pool in our town, and uh, I saw that baptistry as a chance to get in the water, in the cold water. I also thought it was a pretty cool moment because my father was the pastor of the church, and I wanted to be baptized with him. I felt very comfortable with the whole thing. But I also remember in the preparation for that, having my mom and dad explain to me very carefully what baptism was. And the fact that I was only being baptized because I had placed my faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, that it was, it was not a relevant act at all apart from our salvation experience. And so I, I really understood that well, but I was still looking forward to having fun in that baptistry, right? But I remember when my father baptized me, he did what we all as pastors do. We raised our hand before we baptized, and we said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when my dad did that, that baptism experience took on a whole different level of meaning for me. All of a sudden, I realized it wasn't about the water, and it wasn't about my dad. All of a sudden, I realized this is about me following Jesus. You know, you can know that at seven years of age. You can know that it's about you following Jesus Christ. And that baptism experience to me was, was a meaningful moment, a moment that I look back at. And I recently visited the church in Oklahoma in that small town and, and actually looked at that baptistry again as a way of just remembering all that had taken place during that time. But, you know, I've always had this question, I think you may too. Why is it that such a strange and unusual experience of allowing someone to lower you backwards into the water and then bringing you back up. Why is it that we do that that way? I mean, that seems like a weird thing to invent, doesn't it? I mean, what's really behind that? And why, when someone is baptized, do they come up with smiles on their face, sometimes with hands raised? Why is it such an exhilarating experience? It's not about the temperature of the water. It's not about how clean the water is. Other people have been in there before you were. It's not about any of those physical aspects of it. It's not about the crowd cheering you on, but it's something intensely personal between you and God, and that's why that baptism is such an incredibly important thing. You know, baptism is not a standalone act. It's not something that you just one day decide to get up and go do. It's connected to and signifies something extraordinary, and nothing else compares to it. So let's look at baptism for just a few moments. First of all, Go back to Matthew chapter 3, and in Matthew chapter 3, we began to see the Scriptures talk about baptism. 
And I want to point out, first of all, that baptism signifies life change. Life change. The very history of baptism in the New Testament format is that people were coming to be baptized because their lives needed changing and they wanted to change their lives. And before Jesus' public ministry began, there was a man named John the Baptist who was baptizing in the River Jordan. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Now in those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they were being baptized by him, it says in verse 6, in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now I'm going to take a little bit of a walk today because I want to get down on this level of the stage and remind you that the act of baptism was not a religious act. It was something done outside in the dirty Jordan River. Uh, I was disappointed the first time I saw the Jordan River. I, I anticipated it was like those pictures on the back of Baptistry walls, you know, crystal clear water with nice, beautiful trees in the background. But when I went to the Jordan River, it was nasty, dirty, and had varmints swimming around in it while we baptized people in that river. Well, there was John the Baptist out there in that Jordan River, and the Bible says all of Israel was coming to him, religious leaders, others who were not religious leaders, coming to meet this man who was preaching repentance and life change. He was pointing to a Messiah that had yet to be revealed. Jesus was uh, alive. He was present, but he had not revealed himself as the Messiah yet. So John was pointing to someone that was going to be coming and going to be revealed. And he was in that river and people were coming to be baptized. Now, the reason I want to create that word picture for you for just a moment is because almost everything we understand about baptism today is in a church building with air conditioning and with chlorinated water. It's got this trough kind of thing that people walk into, and the temperature of the water, uh, we try to get it just right so it's not uncomfortable for you. But the idea behind baptism is none of that, and it's all about life change. Why would all these religious leaders come outside of the temple, outside of Jerusalem to find John the Baptist? I assure you, it wasn't a flippant moment. It wasn't a casual moment. It was a serious moment where they realized my life needs to change. And this man is preaching in such a way that I need to respond to. So the very first aspect of baptism that we hear about is that it's this experience. It's not a church experience. It's not a religious experience. And it really is about life change. So when you approach the idea of baptism, you want to approach it with the idea that I would want to be baptized because my life is changing. Changing for the better. Changing in the direction of God. But John's role was twofold. It wasn't just to baptize he was also there to point to Jesus. John's message was there was a greater one coming and a greater baptism coming. In fact, if you move on further into Matthew chapter 3, you find in verse 11, John preaching. He says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's when Christ comes and when we come to Christ that this real baptism in the Spirit takes place. Jesus literally baptizes us in His Holy Spirit and water baptism symbolizes that. So baptism has its roots in life change. Baptism also signifies identification. You're still in Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 13, 14, and 15. 
Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, that is John the Baptist, permitted Jesus to be baptized, literally baptizing him. And it says that in Matthew chapter 3. So let's go back to the Jordan River. Here's John the Baptist still in the river. And Jesus comes and sees all these religious leaders and all these others that are coming to be baptized because of the need for life change. And, and now Jesus is coming and saying, I want to be baptized. And John the Baptist's response is, is uh, predictable. Why? Why do you want me to be baptized? Why do you need to be baptized? You are the Son of God. Many of you remember John's first statement whenever he saw Jesus for the first time. Here's what he said. Behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. That was John's first statement about Jesus publicly. So clearly John the Baptist knows Jesus doesn't need to have life changed. Jesus doesn't need to have his sins washed away. He's the Son of God and God the Son. He is a perfect God-man. But Jesus' baptism was not an act for repentance, but an act of obedience and an example to follow. That's why we have the record of Jesus' baptism here. He was both identifying with the Father and identifying with those who would later follow him. And if Jesus was willing to be baptized, why would we not be willing to be baptized? Sometimes I talk to people and they're a little reluctant about being baptized. I don't know. I might be a little embarrassed to be out there in front of all those people. Uh, I don't know about getting wet and coming back. I think it's weird that you drop people in backwards and bring them back up. All kinds of things that people say. And my, my response is, listen, if Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Son was willing to be baptized in order to obey his Father, why would you not be willing to be baptized to obey your heavenly Father? Now, there's something interesting that happened when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And it's recorded in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? I can tell you, that did not happen when I was baptized at seven years of age or at any other time in my life quite like that. Nor will it happen to you or will it have happened to you. But what's going on here is Jesus' obedience and the crowd that had gathered to observe that were given this amazing affirmation from God the Father about the life of Jesus. I mean, this is a huge movement because Jesus was identifying with us who would later follow him, and he was identifying with his Father who had called him to do this work of redemption and this work of bringing people to faith. In fact, his statement was, let's do it to fulfill all righteousness. Do you know that Jesus lived a perfect life and fulfilled the law on your behalf? Do you know that Jesus was perfectly righteous and never did a wrong thing? In fact, he said, I always do all things that please the Father on your behalf. And in addition to that, Jesus died and shed his blood to pay for sin, not his. He did that for your sin on your behalf. 
So here's Jesus being baptized in the river by John the Baptist, and it signifies identification backwards towards us. And now when we are baptized after following Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are identifying ourselves with Christ. Whenever I baptize someone, they are not there to declare anything about themselves. They're there to declare something about what Jesus has done. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm not ashamed of that, is the declaration. And that's why when we baptize, we say, buried with Christ in baptism and to death, raised with Him in newness of life. We're not really saying so much about ourselves. We're identifying with Jesus. You know, I've got some favorite baptism experiences over the years, as you might imagine. I've been in ministry nearly 40 years, and over those 40 years, I've had all kinds of incredible and fun and crazy stories. I've got some of the funniest stories of baptism I will never tell. <laughs> but I remember one great day. I was pastoring in Tennessee, preached on baptism, and a Presbyterian lady walked down the aisle at the end. She was about 86 years of age. She'd been attending our church for years. She had come to Christ as a young girl, but was sprinkled as a child, and I never had a baptism experience that we call believer's baptism. That is, you are baptized because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you identify with him by faith. She had never had that experience, and I preached on baptism that day, and she came down and talked to one of our counselors, and she said, I've been walking with Jesus for dozens and dozens and decades and decades of years, and I've never been fully baptized. I've never been immersed, and I want to do that, and I want to do it now. I want to do it today. So here's an 86-year-old lady saying, this is going to happen today one way or another. Is your baptistry full or is it not? And so, of course, we made arrangements, and she was baptized in an evening service that day. And it was an incredible experience for her. And I wish you could have seen her face as she came up out of that water, knowing that that was something she needed to do for years and years and years, knowing she wanted to identify with the Christ that loved her and saved her. But this was her first opportunity to do it. And so what an incredible, amazing moment. And really, it moved many other people to make that same decision. I remember a young woman years ago here at this church. He was a follower of Islam, was brought up Muslim. Her family was Muslim. She had never read the Bible until introduced to it. And as she read the Bible, she realized that the Bible spoke of a God of love and the Koran did not. And so she began to dig into that and realized that the God of the Bible is one that pursued us with his love and that the culmination of that is to trust him, believe him, and put your faith in him. And that's exactly what she did. And when it came time for her to be baptized, she was obviously concerned for all of her friends and all of her family members who might disown her, who might be angry because she was converting from Islam to being a follower of Jesus Christ. But when she made that commitment and then was baptized, it was really amazing how the family actually respected her decision and it wasn't quite the traumatic experience she thought it might be, but rather an incredible experience of really knowing who she worshiped and why she worshiped Jesus Christ. Of course, there are countless numbers of young men and young women who've gone to camp or to a vacation Bible school or to a kid's craze, uh, and, and you watch them make those decisions of faith and watch them follow the Lord in baptism. It's such a special treat to watch that unfold. Some of you have kids that have been baptized, and you know the reality of that in their lives as well. But I remember one service a number of years ago. We were having a not a shame day. 
For those of you that have never seen that, uh, we baptize those that have made decisions to follow Christ, but we also give others an opportunity to follow them as they follow Christ. And we had a guy stand up and follow me down to the front, and uh, then we later baptized him, and I later got his story. He was a guy that had just gotten out of prison two weeks before, and he came to this service uh, that particular Sunday, didn't know what was going on, watched it happen, then decided because he had decided to follow Jesus, he needed to fully identify with Jesus and, and with the body of Christ. And man, this guy walked forward. I don't think I've ever seen a more heavily tattooed guy in my whole life. And man, he was eager. He was ready to go. You could not have kept that guy from being baptized on that particular Sunday. He was going to do it. And what an incredible thing to watch his life begin to unfold as he fully identified with Jesus. Here was his statement. His statement was, I've identified myself with the crime in this world and with all sorts of evil people my whole life. It's time for me to identify with Jesus Christ once and for all. And he did and he has. Man, what an incredible thing. Baptism is not a religious observance. Please clap. Please do it. Be committed to it. Be committed to clapping. <laughs> I don't know. It's worth more than three little claps when somebody comes to faith in Jesus, right? Some of the most interesting baptism experiences I've ever seen are in India where people could literally be killed in response to their baptisms because the culture does not want them to be. This last week I read the account of a guy named Josh Teese who is a an evangelist and who is often in India. And he wrote something that was very familiar to me because I've seen it several times. I'm going to read it to you. He said it was a rural village and it seemed the entire village was on high alert. The local church had planned a special church service to celebrate recent conversions of several villagers. These former Hindus had been reached by the love of local Christians and their heart subsequently were open to the gospel of Christ. Now was the moment for their public declaration of faith. It was their moment of declaration. The new Christians were ecstatic, but the Brahmin priests were not. They stood like statues upon the steps of the local Hindu temple as we walked by on our way to the baptistry, or to baptism at a well. They were angry, and they were not afraid to show it. The pastor spoke passionately about baptism and the importance of this public statement, and although his message was helpful, this man says it was not the most powerful sermon that day. The baptism was the most powerful sermon. I watched as the people of Jesus closed in prayer, stood to their feet, and marched to the well. And there they were on one side of the concrete trough with the Brahmin priest, village leadership, if you will. They were flanked on the left and right with scores of large men, all with arms crossed, all grimacing and angry. Surrounding these were their women and what seemed like hundreds of children. Not one person was smiling in this group. On the other side, in contrast, a smaller group of Christians. The tension was high, and the moment was real. I was told later that the men and women who chose baptism would undergo public ridicule, loss of business, family betrayal, no longer be able to shop at the local market, sell their crops, or attend family functions. To publicly identify with Jesus Christ was tantamount to the rejection of your entire former life. So they step into the water. The pastor asks a final confirmation of their faith in Jesus. And they verbally acknowledged the faith in Jesus. And at this point, one particular man was dunked into the water, completely immersed, symbolizing the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. When he came out of the water, 
He didn't just come out of the water. He leapt out of the water. His hands were raised in the air. There was a smile broad on his face and words of praise pouring from his lips. He was so much more aware of the eyes of God than he was the eyes of all the others in that audience. And the last thing the pastor did before the new Christian exited the waters was to wipe off the red bendy religious mark that was on his forehead and in its place put the mark of the cross. And that man walked out of the baptistry with a cross on his forehead and a new direction in life because of his faith in Jesus Christ. What a story. We can't fathom that kind of response. We're used to the applause. The smiles, people pat us on the back. Good job, good decision. But my point today is to say identifying with Christ cost us, if not in the room, then outside the room. And so it's a very serious thing that we do when we say we step up to be baptized because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But one of the greatest pictures of baptism in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 8. And it shows us that baptism signifies faith. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch being witnessed to by a man named Philip. And it's in Acts chapter 8, verse 35. And what I want you to see in this account, this very brief account, is how the practice of baptism had become very clear and widely known. Everybody knew John the Baptist was doing a baptism into repentance. And everybody knew the identification of the Father for Jesus and the identification that Jesus had with the Father in his baptism. But what became very clear as time went on was the whole idea of baptism signifying faith. That is, we are baptized because we have faith in Jesus Christ and because that faith saves us, we want to tell everyone, declare to everyone in the world, we are now followers of Jesus Christ. And as we said, my name is John Metter. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I am finished with me. I am not ashamed. That's what we say. And I want you to see in Acts chapter 8, this was a well-developed and clearly understood idea 2,000 years ago. So Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch is in his chariot in the desert reading a scroll of the book of Isaiah. God, the Holy Spirit, leads Philip into the wilderness. In fact, his command is to go south on the road to Gaza. And if you knew the area, you would know it simply means walk into the desert, Philip. So Philip does that and encounters this chariot. He sees the Ethiopian eunuch reading the scroll and comes up to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And uh, the man from Ethiopia said, how can I know this? Unless somebody explains it to me. And beginning in verse 35, we pick up the story. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus. Now, I've got that highlighted on my text, and the reason I have is because I want you to notice that when he begins to preach, he doesn't preach about baptism. He doesn't preach about religion. He doesn't preach about a whole host of other things he could preach about. He doesn't even preach about end times or anything like that. He preaches about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. He preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And I've highlighted that one. Because that's the message that Philip had for this man and the message of the church is that baptism doesn't mean anything apart from believing with all of your heart. That's how he gives that answer. 
And he answered him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And so he ordered the chariots to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Let's go back to our little river here. This is the river, right? Well, now it's a pond out in the desert. And the point is not how pure is the water, how clean is the water, but the point is it's all about personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to identify with faith in Christ, and that's what Philip is getting ready to do with this Ethiopian eunuch and baptized him in that water in the middle of the desert because this man put his faith and trust in Jesus. Now, you read that text, it's pretty obvious. Philip didn't preach baptism, he preached Jesus. It's obvious that the, the eunuch knew that baptism meant repentance and faith, and he was ready to put his faith and trust in Jesus. So Philip laid down the requirement, if you believe with all your heart, and they both went down into the water, this big body of water. And the reason he had to go down into the water is because baptism is immersion, and it symbolizes buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. So all that is being enacted in a well-understood, clear way of responding to your faith in Christ with a step of obedience and baptism. And you know the New Testament church has been doing that ever since that day. So when you see troughs on the stage or when we begin to have a baptistry service, it's not religious, it's about life change, it's about identifying with Jesus, it's about signifying your faith in Jesus Christ. As when we do that, the heavens may not seem to open up and you may not hear a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But you can know that you're doing an act of obedience following faith in Jesus Christ that we have practiced for 2,000 years. Here's what I know. I know God blesses the obedience that we follow him with. And he'll bless in a great way when we respond in that way. Let me finish with this one verse. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Here's the man in the chariot who says, after this faith conversation about Jesus, out of the book of Isaiah, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, let me just say this today. Nothing prevents you from being baptized if you have faith in Jesus Christ. Only you prevent you from being baptized if you have faith in Jesus Christ. My question to you is twofold today as I close this message. Number one, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your trust and your confidence in him? And number two, since that decision of putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ has been made, have you, since that time, trusted him with believer's baptism? That is, following him in believer's baptism, the same way Jesus did it as an act of obedience, the same way the Ethiopian eunuch did it after he said, I believe with all my heart. Have you had that experience? And if not, would you be willing to follow the Lord Jesus in believer's baptism? You know, at the end of our service, as always, we have decision stations that are at the back. And there are people there that are ready to answer the question about salvation. They're ready to answer the question about baptism. And if you have that question, let us help you with that answer. I'm going to pray in just a moment to dismiss us. I'm going to invite you to the guest reception center, which is just outside the center exit doors and across the hallway. If you're new here, I would love to shake your hand and say, thank you for being with us today. Would you stand with me today? Father, what an important thing we've talked about today. So many in the room indicated 
that this moment, this defining moment of their life of baptism was real to them. They remember that moment. It was significant to them. Father, there may be some in this room today that have never experienced that, do not have that. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, bring conviction, draw them, cause them to want to follow you in believer's baptism. Cause them to want to do what for 2,000 years true believers have done. And Father, I pray that you will bring them the joy and the affirmation. I pray that you will bring them the confidence and the boldness that comes from making such a decision. And Father, I pray that you would bless their lives as a result of that. And Father, today I know there are many people in the room from very, uh, from many, many backgrounds. And Lord, I know that many have heard the message recently. And some may have not have heard about the message of faith in Jesus Christ until today. But Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage and the boldness to make the decisions today to follow you. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.